there, and welcome back to the second episode, which is all about data analytics and what the benefits and challenges of adopting it can bring. This series is brought to you by the Conference Board of Canada and Tableau. So in our first episode, we talked about data literacy, how to analyze data and why it matters. But once you've got that foundation, what's the best way to use that information? Data analytics has the potential to create positive change in the world that can start on a micro level for yourself or your own business, right up to the macro level with how governments run the world. So how do we navigate all of this and make the best decisions for ourselves, businesses, customers, and society as a whole? Luckily, we've got an amazing guest on hand to guide us through. Vanita Lucas is the co-executive director for Viz for Social Good. Her organization helps nonprofits and charities with their data storytelling, so they can show the world the positive impact they're having. Vanita has some great insights on how data analytics is helping young women find clean water pumps faster in parts of Africa, and how younger workers are increasingly choosing their employers based on how much good they do in the world. Hi, Vanita. Thank you for joining us for this chat. Why don't we start by hearing a little bit about your personal story with data and what attracted you to this field of work? So I absolutely love data and helping people see and understand data. Um, throughout my career, worked with uh, on multi-million dollar data projects, right? Whose goals were to increase revenue or decrease costs, uh, improve customer loyalty and, and so on. Um, and, and really was to help them meet their bottom lines. And, you know, when you work with data, you really see the power it has to help people make decisions. And I think for me, it was, well, that's great. I'm helping, you know, large corporations, but there's so much more power that data can have and to help this, this world. And, you know, that's where I started thinking about what more can I do with data, with my skills? How can I give back to society? And I started getting involved in uh, using data for social change and working with with charities. So I think all around, I'm you know applying my professional experience with data, my wanting to give back to society, and how better way than to do that uh, with data. I got involved with an organization called Viz for Social Good, and their prime mission is really to help charities see and understand their data so they can help uh, meet their missions and drive social impact with the causes that they're they're after. And so by helping these smaller charities, I really was able to see what the power of, of data had and the impact that allowing them to see their data and visualize it to, uh, really helped them in, in meeting their missions and driving their goals, but also just gave them the opportunity to say, wow, I can do so much more with data. And if I had the right tools and resources um, at my side. And I'm really interested in how that conversation went. I mean, you mentioned how you're ta- you've talked with organizations, charities, nonprofits about what they can do with this data. Were they aware of that? Was it a teaching moment? Were they surprised by what could be done with what the data that they had at their disposal? I'd say it was a little bit of everything, Takara. Um, you know, I'd have to say for many of the uh, smaller organizations who are just starting out um, or have been in you know business for a while, 
they probably keep all their data in, you know, on paper or in Excel spreadsheets, you know, the data is all over the place, just because, again, you know, they, they just have a handful of people just, you know, try, trying to meet their goals. And the last thing they really thought about was how do I get my data better organized? But when I talk to them about the art of the possible, and actually just show other examples of this is what you could do with your data. This is how you can bring your data to life and really tell a story about your mission, about how you're trying to change the world and the impact that you're having uh, to the citizens. You know, their eyes just their eyes just light up like, wow, I, I can do this. So it is a bit of an educational process uh, for the, you know, the group that hasn't been exposed to this too much. And then for the groups that have been dabbling in data, um, again, it's eye-opening for them because they see the art of the possible of where they can go from where they are to what other you know larger organizations are doing with uh, with data. I can only imagine how, I guess, eye-opening that experience would be because these nonprofits, these charities, they're focused on doing good and they have this huge resource that they're not utilizing. And here you come along and you're like, hey, let me help you do your job in a new way and reach more people. I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about specifically data can be used to promote social change for those small orgs or people who are unfamiliar with this concept. Absolutely. So um, so we know data has the power to solve some of the world's um, pressing social issues, right, such as global health, poverty, climate change. Um, if you think about the United Nations have laid out like their 17 sustainable development goals to achieve a better and more sustainable future. It's kind of like the world's to do list that every citizen, government, agency, corporations, nonprofits have a responsibility for. Um, and, and so it's been proven, right, that data and analytics can play a crucial role to help meet those goals. Um, if I think about, you know, to give you an example, so in, in rural Africa, a third of water pumps are inoperable. And so imagine a woman walking long distances to fetch water for the family or to find and to find the pump not working. Um, and so in Kenya, sensors were put on water hand pumps to provide real time data. So this system actually helped reduce like the average time to repair a broken pump from 27 days to three days. And it's, you know, it, it's great because you think about, um, you know, the, the journey that women are primarily making to fetch the water and, you know, the fact that they get there and there's no water available. So then you think, how does, how, what does a sensor on a water pump have to do with gender equality? And, you know, it's usually the women and girls in the family who collect the water. And so if they don't have access to clean water, they're traveling further to get water. And inevitably the girl does not get a decent education, like similar to her male family members, right? Um, and, and on a smaller scale, there are so many charities who need to demonstrate their social impact. So I think, you know, it's taking a hard look at what, what is their mission and who are their, you know, constituents what type of uh, information do they need? I think with smaller charities, they do just have to smart start small and think of the data that they really need to make an impact or how they can attract more funders. And it's, you know, understanding that and, and putting a, a bit of a strategy together and really then getting the help from so many volunteers and uh, other organizations who are willing to um, help smaller charities with, with, their, with their needs. Vanita, that was such a great example. The fact that you 
showcased how data and water pumps can be used to improve gender equality, provide an opportunity for young girls and young women in other countries. I think it's so important that we discuss issues like this because I think amongst the public, there is this hesitance when it comes to talking about data because we've seen how companies can use, abuse, misuse our data. What would you say to people who are a little weary about how data can be used in our day-to-day lives? And, you know, does data need a makeover in general? Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a heightened awareness and fear of misuse of data. Like even for me, it's scary to think about all my data out there on the internet and who's using it for what. Um, And, you know, we've seen how data can be manipulated to drive political agendas. Um, I'm I'm shocked just blatantly when I see, you know, a chart on on TV or or in an ad that just is misrepresenting uh, the data and it's creating fear and, you know, inciting the wrong actions. Um, you know, if you think about the, the most popular uh, scandal where millions of Facebook users uh, and their personal data was uh, misused by Cambridge Analytical. It was used, um, allegedly used in favor of, of Donald Trump in his 2016 presidential campaign, and the same data was used to influence the Brexit referendum. So you think about all this and you're like, maybe I just should stop going on the internet and you know, just keep to myself, which is also impossible, right? Um, And, you know, there's another rising concern about bias in the data, right? Especially when it comes to human data, like the conscious or subconscious bias makes its way to the outcome or the finished product. So if you think about a while back, um, it's probably not the case now, but initially um, female gender was assigned to the digital assistants, such as Apple, Siri, and Amazon's Alexa. Right. And it was actually helpful in entrenching harmful gender bias, according to UN agency, because the speech of most voice assistants is female. So it sends a signal that women are obliging and eager to please helpers and available at the touch of a button, you know, with a blunt voice command like, hey, or okay. And and so you think about all that, um, you know, bias in the data. And yes, it's it's scary. Um, You know, people are very nervous. We've heard about a lot of the breaches. But I actually think data has far more power um, and we definitely need to keep using it. Um, Does data need a constant makeover? I think data is in a constant makeover. It has just changed over the last few decades. They say by 2025, they're predicting that we will have 175 zettabytes of data and a zettabyte is like one to the 10 to the power of 21, or think of like 250 billion DVDs. So if anything, technology and everyone's trying to catch up with the explosion of data, I think it's really up to each of us as citizens to become, to be data literate. And you might ask, what does data literacy mean? Um, Just like we learn how to read and write, we also need to know how to read, understand and communicate with data. And personally, I think data literacy is right up there with digital literacy and financial literacy. So it's every citizen's right to understand, you know, how the, how their data is being used, what information they're providing, and so that and people need to make better decisions and have more informed opinions. Whether you're like seeking a profession in data or you're just, you know, an, an average citizen who just needs to really understand more about data. Um, There's a saying about buyer beware. I think the same goes for everyone to be aware of when they're providing their information. 
it is scary, but think of all the good that data can do. So we have to keep moving with our um, view on really using data to make the world a better place. And as you mentioned, data is here to stay. It's constantly changing and evolving how we use it, but it's not going anywhere and not engaging with companies or websites that utilize our data is just not feasible in today's age. I wonder, who do you think should be responsible then for teaching us data literacy? Um, you mentioned that it's a part of our lives and I'm wondering, is it something we learn at work? Is it something we learn in school? If it's something that we, you and I, and everyone listening will have to deal with, who should be teaching us how to do that? That, that's a great question, um, because when, when you hear the term data literacy, you just think, okay, this is related to a data analyst or, you know, someone working in a corporation or who's probably, you know, gone to school and taken, you know, data science um, education. No, I think um, everyone has to become data literate, which means that the learnings of it have to be taught uh, through many sources. Right? And, and I think it has to start, definitely has to start in, in the schools at, at a young age. Um, there are ways of, you know, teaching data literacy that doesn't have to be complicated. Um, also believe it should be yeah, taught throughout school. Um, organizations I know um, all have data literacy programs. Uh, they need to make that part of uh, the, the learnings. And I also think that, um, you know, the, the government and agencies should also be promoting data, data literacy. And you mentioned how nonprofits, charities, organizations can use data for good um, to improve their services, to advocate for causes, to highlight changes. I'm wondering how can these organizations and businesses ensure that data collection is done the right way, that's collected in a reliable, safe, accurate process? Um, absolutely. I think. You know, one is there's the, the the technical aspect of making sure that the minute that the data is requested and collected um, and, you know, through its life cycle, right, where it's stored, how it's used or reused and eventually destroyed, like all of that has to be safeguarded. And, and it's, it is on the onus of those organizations, large or small, to make sure that they protect the, the rights of, of the people collecting the data. Um, beyond that, I think there's also people need to start thinking about questions that they want to ask themselves when data is being collected. Um, so if you think about, you know, how is this data generated and did pe do people know what it was collected for? Um, is the data demographically representative? Um, and who is included or excluded from this data? So an example I could give you is so the government of Ghana used call records for mobile phones for COVID tracing. Which was, which was great because they were able to, you know, keep a close watch on that. But then if you think about 25% of the people in poverty don't even have a mobile phone. And so their voices weren't heard with this data collection, right? So you also have to think about whose voices, lives and experiences are missing when you're collecting the data. Because so often we tend to forget about, we're so focused on what we're looking for that we tend to forget about well, what else are we missing? Um, another point is around, you know, how much data can be disaggregated by race, gender, or ethnicity. Um, you know, I'm sure we've all taken surveys, and I know I've taken a survey where, you know, I see a list of 
answers. And then there's this other category. And, and I guess I'm in the other category because I didn't meet the other two. I'm thinking, okay, fine, I'm going to answer other. But if you're just lumping a whole bunch of people into the other category, what are you actually missing from that data? Like there's probably so much about that population that you, you will miss in terms of understanding who they are, or how to service them better, just because you've chosen to, you know, make your survey simple with, with the big other category. So, um, you know, I think organizations really need to think about who they, who they're trying to find out information about and, and really make sure that they are um, understanding race, gender, and other kind of information um, at a more detailed level. Um, also thinking about who's going to benefit from this data and, um, you know, who might be harmed by the collection or publication of this data. It's a lot of questions to answer, uh, but it's, I think if everyone takes the responsibility of thinking about these questions before they collect the data, would definitely build a lot more confidence in, in, in the public. And you mentioned some really great tips and advice, you know, what is this data being collected for, who could be excluded, you know, is this representative of the actual population or community you, you serve? I'm wondering what other advice, perhaps programs or platforms you would suggest individuals who are thinking about going down this path, but aren't sure what to do next. So first for smaller charities, they, they can take advantage of a lot of the large organizations who provide uh, software to nonprofits, either for free or, um, you know, for, for limited costs. So I think them taking advantage of these big organizations who've set all of that up to safeguard the data um, is far more advantageous than them trying to, to trying to build their own. Um, you know, I think depending on where they're operating, what, what country, there's a lot of privacy laws and marketing preferences and things like that, that they need to um, adhere to. So again, a lot of the software that they're going to use will have a lot of that baked in. Um, but again, just, you know, from a best practice perspective, really just being thoughtful about that and, and perhaps talking to uh, large organizations who are willing to, you know, donate their their time or advice to help smaller um, charities build up that uh, methodologies is another avenue as well. And are there any organizations or campaigns that you can think of that really encompass the data for good mission? I know you mentioned, um, you, you already gave us a really great example of women who utilize data to improve their lives um, and access water pumps in a safe and timely manner. Are there any other examples you can share with us? Uh, absolutely. So when you hear about human trafficking, you probably think this is happening somewhere else in the world, or you might think of young girls in, in the shipping containers or people that were sold into slavery. In, in third world country. Um, and yes, all of that's happening, but it's also happening right here in Canada. And modern day human trafficking is often hidden in plain sight. And 95% of human trafficking in Canada were women and girls. Um, so a great way that data is actually being reused is private sector companies, such as you know our large banks, insurance companies, casinos, they've joined forces to tackle this very problem using data. Banks alone generate millions of financial transactions just to operate their business and serve customers. But now this same data is being reused to identify patterns of human trafficking um, because typically uh, criminals tend to have certain types of behaviors or maybe doing other criminal, criminal, 
criminal activities. Um, and using this data, they were able to identify those patterns um, and inform law enforcement agencies of who these potential human traffickers are. And, you know, they've actually been able to crack and solve a lot of uh, cases. So, you know, that's that's a great example of data that was not collected for that specific purpose. But organizations are reusing that data for good. And we've talked about how data can be a force for good in the world. I'm wondering where do you see this space evolving? What do you think it'll look like in five years, maybe 10 years from now? It's definitely evolving. I think, um, you know, when I started off the conversation, I talked about, you know, how I've been involved in projects that essentially help organizations use data for their bottom line. Um, That is no longer good enough. And, you know, they talk about the triple bottom line, which is profit, people and planet. And so now there's more and more um, recognition and um, by organizations in terms of how they have to report on how they're helping society and the environment. Now it's a must for doing business. So it's not just about using data for profit. It's, it's also about demonstrating, you know, how you are, um, how as an organization you're contributing to the sustainable environment or, or social aspects. You know, think about if you knew the jeans you were wearing were made by children, would you think twice about buying from this brand again? Or would you invest in a company that was polluting the environment? And so now companies are making commitments and setting targets. So for example, companies aim to have net zero emissions or aspire to have 50% of their executives to be female. Um, Netflix just announced today that 52% of their workforce is made up of women and hold 51% of director and above positions. So to reach these goals that organizations have publicly stated, they need the data to be thoughtfully collected, they need the data, this to be monitored, and then also to take deliberate actions to make sure that an organization, they are going to reach these goals. So I think just corporations alone who are going beyond using data for profit are going to change the, da- uh, the data landscape because they are demonstrating uh, that they need to, you know, drive social impact. Um, And then you also think about the millennial, that is a force um, in society, and they're changing the way we look at social impact. So millennials make choices every day based on their desire to influence society. Uh, They're choosing their employers based on how they give back and the social impact they're making. So just the fact that millennials are out there changing um, how they're driving social impact again, is going to be, you know, fantastic way that data gets to play a a big role in that. Because, again, the more data you have, the more you understand about uh, social impact, then, you know, the better choices uh, people are going to make. And are there any misconceptions around data and how data can be used for good that you'd like to clear up for those who are listening? Okay, I I think definitely on, on data, that data is is for everyone. And nowadays, when you talk about data, there is that uh, misconception that this is really meant for professionals or people that have gone to school to study about data. Absolutely not. I I think um, it's data is used for rocket science, but it isn't rocket science. And that's where people uh, in no matter what profession, they need to embrace the value of data and really understand that what it can do for them and and also for for social good. 
Last question, Vanita. Uh, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm wondering if there was a moment, an experience, a situation throughout your career that really opened up your eyes to how powerful data is and how it can be utilized for good. Absolutely. And and, and for me, my aha moment was in, in, in 2018, I was at the Tableau conference in, in New Orleans and I happened to walk in on a session for Viz for Social Good not really knowing what it was. And I walked into this hallway and there was like hundreds of people seated at the table. I just stood at the back, just curious what this was all about. And it turned out it was, it was a hackathon. It was a Viz for Social Good hackathon. And all these folks showed up with, with their laptops. They were given a data set. At the time it was uh, for a foundation that was whose mission was to save extinct lions in Africa. And I'm like, really? Oh, okay. Let me see what, what this is. I'm still a little bit skeptical in the back, uh, but the, all the volunteers were given a data set and, you know, about half an hour or so 45 minutes to just look at the data set and come up with these visuals and tell a story. And by the end of it, uh, I saw a lot of stories being told with the exact same data set and these visuals put up on, on the screen about you know, insights on, on how to save lions. And it just blew me away because I thought, wow, this is the power of data. And for me, it, it, it all started for me after seeing that because I thought, you know, there's so many causes in this world and data is a great way of helping to, you know, solve, like make a contribution to all of these different causes. And so for me, that, that moment just, it just took off from there. And, and that's why I've dedicated myself to really using data for, for social good. That was Vanitha Lucas with some fantastic observations on how data analytics can be used for good and how the field is evolving. After listening to that, I'm sure you're probably wondering how your own organization can become more data-driven. Well, you're in luck, because that's what we'll be covering in our next episode. Our guest next week will be Professor Maxime Cohen. Thanks for listening.